0: Could we all just take a deep breath in and exhale for a moment? Wasn't that an amazing story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can talk. You're allowed to. Because sometimes we don't know who the person is that's sitting next to us right in their very midst that's been with us along the journey and along the way. And yet God's been doing an amazing thing in a family's life amidst a whole bunch of tragedy that we don't have all the answers for. But what they have experienced is there's a God who gives hope. There's a God who brings peace. There's a God who forgives. There's a God who has eternity set in people's lives. There's a God who turns up in the strangest, weirdest places. And yet ministers to in incredible powerful ways and connects people that you and I couldn't have even set up in a million years. And here they are in our midst. And we want to love them and care for them. And welcome them as part of a community, it's a growing community where God says no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, there's a God and we are more than molecules and my love and my forgiveness and my power is towards you. My eternity is set out in front of you. My hope is delivered for you and you can know that there's an eternal God who has a plan for your life even in the midst of tragedy. Being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean our lives are going to be Uncomplicated. What it does mean is that there's a God who travels through us in some of the most traumatic, difficult situations in our lives, even if we don't have all of the answers. Amen. There's just an amazing sense of God working in and through this family, and the family and the friends connected around about that has brought them into this place, and I'm so thankful for it. Kylie said to me, I said, Would you like to share your story on Sunday? She said, It's a birthday. You don't want to hear my story on your birthday. I mean, my story. I said, no, we want to hear it because we want to hear about what God's been doing in people's lives. Yeah, but you want to celebrate. Well, I can't think of a better way to celebrate. Can you? Really? Hearing how God is at work in people's lives. So what I've done is on this particular day, because it's our birthday, I have brought a birthday cake. I asked Jen Dixon, the cupcake queen. I know there's other cupcake queens here in this place. If she would bring a cupcake for us today to celebrate our birthday. And so I brought a candle. I brought a candle along. There it is. It's right there. And uh, uh, Jake, can you stand up for a second here? Just just hold that for me there because I've got a matches. I brought a match. I thought I would just because um, I once had a birthday when I was about 14 years old. Yeah, my mum and dad, they surprised me. Has anyone had a surprise birthday party before? It hasn't worked out really well. I was like 14 years old, wasn't expecting, and all of a sudden kids started to turn up. They turned up, they turned up, they turned up. I'm like, oh man, it's my birthday. You know when you want to just be inconspicuous as a 14-year-old? And I remember it was the most awkward time of my entire life. We got sent down to the garage down the back to play the table tennis. I think we stared at each other for hours. And then we came back up again. I'm like, when is this party going to be over? Because don't ever, ever do a surprise birthday party for a 14-year-old. Anyway, that scarred me pretty badly. But I thought, there's no surprises here today. I've brought the cake along. I'm just going to light the candle. All right. All right. Jake, can you blow that out for us? Because we want to talk about sharing today. Well done, Jake. We're going to start here with this cake. All right. Because it's one of Jen Dixon's cupcake specials. And we're going to just take a bite and pass it along. Okay. (laughs) So... We want everyone to be part of the birthday celebration today. In fact, I think there's some chocolate around about as well. So that's it, Bill, take a deep bite. You can finger some of the icing just so the people at the back can know that we're together on this. And if there's some extra chocolates being handed out, because I know after what Kylie has shared this morning, you're going to be listening to me at all. And so I might as well give you some cake along the way as well. Happy birthday, NCR. It's 13 years that we have been together. And uh, I think people are biting that cake and passing it along, and, uh, which is really gross and more awkward than my 14th surprise birthday party. <clears throat> One of the visions that we have around here at NCR is building a growing community of vibrant Jesus followers, visibly impacting our spheres, shaping our city, and serving our world. That's why we exist around here at NCR. We want to impact spheres, shape city, and serve our world, because we don't believe that God is just to be kept for ourselves. He's to be to actually given out and shared among, so other people can know his forgiveness and his hope and his peace and his life and his love and his eternity as well. And one of the ways in which we've been focusing on that in the last month has been a talk about a way of life. There's pictures up on the side wall there, and they're up here on the screen. And so if someone came to you as a follower of Jesus, if you're here this morning and you say, yeah, I follow Jesus, I'm kind of like what Kylie's been talking about, I believe in him too, then there's four ways that we've said that kind of marks out of Jesus' life. Uh, if someone asked you, what does it mean for you to follow Jesus? You might say, well, I make him my reference point. I immerse. I pray. I speak to him. I read from the Bible. And then I act when I see things of injustice around about. I just kind of want to step out and do things. And, and, and I rest because I know in the busy course of life, it can be really chaotic at times. So I need to replenish and recuperate. And today, I need to share because part of following Jesus means that you've got a generous God who asks you to be generous with who you eat meals with and who you give Financially, too, and and has sharing about Jesus and what he's done in people's lives as well. Because at the heart of following Jesus, that's part of sharing the cake here this morning as well. At the heart of following Jesus is an encounter with him. Because too often people have criticized or known the church for being the, the church that says, no, don't do that. Don't dress that way. Don't talk that way. Don't don't look that way. Uh, don't go over there. Don't do that. Don't do that. And the church that impacts its city, shapes its world, impacts its spheres, is the kind of church that learns to say yes to things. That's known for its yes rather than its no all the time. And so one of the ways in which at really at the heart of Christianity, of being a God follower, is an encounter with Jesus. And so I thought on our 13th birthday, Healing from Kylie, I, I want us to just dive right in and, and so that you can actually read about something, an encounter that Jesus had with a person. I've got to let you know it's kind of a little bit scary. It's kind of a little bit weird, but just hang with me for a while. So if you've got a, a Bible here with you, if you want to follow with me, Mark chapter 5, or if you want to get this cool free uh, Bible app online that you can watch on your iOS device. You can look that up as well, and I'm just going to plunge straight in today. We've all taken an exhale. We're all with me. You're ready to go. This is an encounter. This is kind of an encounter Jesus had with a person, and this is how it reads. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Okay, so where are we right now? We're in the Sea of Galilee. This is north of Jerusalem. And one of the things that Jesus would often do is he'd get in fishermen's boats and he would kind of go across this big inland sea, the Sea of Galilee. And he'd kind of move from one place to the next, tripping back and forward across this lake. And he was kind of like the ultimate Mr. Whippy Van because he would turn up in a place, play the music, and there was no people there when he arrived, and people just turned up out of nowhere. And this particular day, uh, he went across the lake to a region called the Gerasenes. Now, this is the Golan Heights. This is a disputed territory. Um, This particular place is known as the Decapolis. Ten cities, Roman cities in that place. So it's a foreign place. And then when he arrives there, Jesus got out of the boat and a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Some of you here this morning might go, I don't believe in impure spirits. I don't believe in spirits. I watch the ABC." I watch Q&A, far too intellectual for things like that. Well, about eight of us are about to go to East Timor in a week's time. And you ask the East Timorese people, is there another unseen world, a spirit world? They say, of course there is. It's not because they're primitive, it's because they're connected. They understand that there's a world beyond the world that we see. And this particular man, it says he was infected by or he was tormented by an impure spirit. And he came from the tombs to meet him and this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. And it says, no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. I mean, this is a really scary situation. Yeah. And if you were a Jewish boy, this is the last place that you would want to be. I mean, not only is this a foreign place with impure, unclean foreigners, but this person lived in the tombs. Another Jewish thing that you just don't hang out with people who are in tombs. It's unclean. We find, discover a little bit later that there's some pigs involved, unkosher pigs. And, and, and so this is the last place that any good little Jewish boy should be. On the other side of a lake, unclean foreigners, unclean pigs, unclean tombs, and a man with an unclean spirit. I mean, this is the last place. And then it goes on and it says this. When, they, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran. I love this. I love this. Could you imagine this man who used to cut himself scary? They used to be so scared of him that they would chain him and bind him. He was so powerful, he'd break the chains. I and mean, people would try and subdue him in order to kind of just control him. And here's this one particular man, and he sees Jesus. The music comes on. And he just runs to Jesus. Could you imagine how the disciples were feeling? Yeah? Could Jake, Jake, just stand up for us here. Let's just say, this is, this is Jesus, right? And, and if I'm one of the disciples, uh, like Peter, James, or John, I'm going like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You see he's coming? You see him? You see him? You see him? They're arguing with each other. They're saying, no, 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 you go first. No, no, you go first. You go, James, you go first. And there's Thomas. He's probably doubting Thomas. He's probably going, I'm not sure if he even really exists. And then there's Matthew, the tax collector, who's going, one of his paid his taxes. And then they're fighting and arguing with each other about, no, no, you go first, you go first, you go first. And he, he runs about, what are you standing up for? Okay. <laughs> about, about a year and a half ago, I, I was out going for a run down at Dandenong Creek. Anyone done this before? Going for a run just, it was really a jog. It was really a jog along Dandenong Creek. And there was this man who turned up with like 15 dogs and they were off. off, no one had leads. Has anyone, anyone encountered this man around this area? You have as well. Okay, 15 dogs. I, I kid you not, they're all off the leads. And I was running along and all of a sudden one of those dogs that was about as big as this and he looked like one of those pit bull kind of terrier things, he charges out of the pack. Have you ever been confronted with a dog who's like snarling? <laughs> and he's running at you. <laughs> and you're running along going oh, I don't know what's going to happen here and the man calls out I love this no dogs are on their leads what's a broken every council rule and, and 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 this one dog like this and, and he's aggressive and he's fanging his teeth and all of that stuff and he gets and he calls out to me he goes don't worry he won't hurt you and I call back I'm glad you know that but I don't know that and I'm not sure he knows that he runs right up to me and i'm petrified at this stage right and then he just kind of circles me and circles me the guy drags him up this is exactly how the disciples are feeling right this scary scary man who has been cutting himself who's been crying and has been tormented by this spirit runs up to jesus and what does he do he does the thing that you would naturally do he falls down on his knees in front of him he shouted out at the top of his voice What do you want to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. So so here's this unclean spirit going, actually, I want to have mercy from you, Jesus. He said, okay, even the unseen world, can I have mercy from you? For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And then it goes on from there, and Jesus says to him, what's your name? He says, my name's Legion, because there's many of us. I don't quite get this. But I do know in that area over decades before, there would have been legions of Roman soldiers that would have gone through that region tormenting the human populace. So much so that who knows that in the unseen world, how this had tormented this man, such that now he was infected or, or... Uh, He was tormented. He he was infused with the the very evil that those legions had been perpetrating on the people now was actually alive and somehow captivating him. And so they call out and they say, could you actually not cast us out of the area? Could you throw us into the pigs that are just close by? Because there was a herd of pigs. And Jesus says, okay. And so they go and they enter the pigs and those pigs run down the slope and they're destroyed in the water below. And and here we have that exact same thing that those that spirit that unclean spirit wanted to do was to destroy this man made in the image of God who God loved and who wanted to set free. Now he's done exactly that for the pigs. I know strange story, scary man, scary pigs, but this is the result of it. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus. They saw the man who'd been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, sitting there, at peace. Not agitated, not running to and fro, not cutting himself, not tormented, sitting there. Dressed, I'm glad for that because I'm a visual person, (laughs) really glad for that. Dressed and in his right mind. You see, God wants people to have a right mind. He says they were afraid. They used to be afraid of the man who used to cut himself and break chains, but now they're afraid of Jesus, the man who'd actually was stronger than him, stronger than the unseen world, stronger than death itself, stronger. And now they're afraid of him. And so what do they do? Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much he has had mercy on you. You see, the people who were there were so scared of Jesus that they begged for him to go away. This man is begging that he would stay with him, that he would go with him, that he would be with him, because the first time in who knows how long, he's sitting. In his right mind, clothed, fully human, because he's come alive, because he has encountered Jesus Christ. It's our 13th birthday. It's our 13th birthday. And you know what happens when people turn 13? Two things happen. Teenagers, they get pimples and they get an attitude. Do you know that? They get pimples and an attitude. Yeah. At 12, you can say to them, would you please pick up your clothes? And they say, yes, Mum and dad. I would love to do that. Can I pick up yours as well? Yes. (laughs) You can say to them, could you please do your homework? And they say, of course, I've actually already done it. And I've done the chores for the day as well. And I'll do yours for you as well, mummy and daddy, if you like. Yeah. And then they turn 13. Yeah. And they get these marks on their faces and they get an attitude. Have you ever known that? So the day after, you could say to those same kids, okay, would you please do your homework? And they go, do I have to? Would you please clean up your room? do I have to? Would you please speak nicely to your sister? Do I have to? And then they have this other phrase that comes up. Have you ever heard this before? Whatever. Yeah? Yeah, you have. Whatever. And then there's a wobble of the head. Whatever. Yeah? Whatever. And you're like, where did you come from? You were 12 perfect the day before, 13 now you are a terrorist living in my house. And it's just like, do I have to, do I have to, do I have to, do I have to, do I have to? The answer is, yes, you do have to. But one of the biggest lies I reckon out there about Christianity, about following God, is that you have to. I have to be good, I have to say the right words, I have to go to church, I have to read the Bible, I have to speak to God, I have to, I have to, I have to do good things because I want to go to heaven and even when I get to heaven I think he'll still be mad at me for something because he's an angry God that just wants to get back at me and that's have to, have to, have to and in my estimation that's all about religion. One of the biggest lies out there about Christianity is that it's about religion. I have to do things. I have to do this. I have to do that. But the truth about Christianity, the truth about following God is that it's about a relationship where he made you and he knows you and he loves you and he has a plan for your life even in the midst of tragedies. He sent his son for you who lived and died and rose again so that you might know his eternity, that you might know his love, that you might know his forgiveness, that you might know the living creator being and that you might relate to him. That you don't have to do anything. When you've had an encounter with Jesus, you want to. You see, Kylie didn't have to share her story this morning. She wanted to. This man who had been set free for the first time in his life didn't have to. He wanted to. Does that make sense? Biggest lie out there about God is he's all about religion. I don't get that religion stuff, but I get a relationship. It's when people encounter Jesus, they want to. You see how this works? I marry people, yeah? And I'm yet to find a couple that comes up to the walk up the aisle on their wedding day. And they come up to me. I'm just waiting for this to happen, right? And I stand there and I ask them the questions. I said, will you, Tom, take Tracy to be your wife, to love forever, to make a lovely little home together and maybe some little kidlets along the way? Will you? And I'm yet to have a groom say, oh, man, I thought this part would come. Do I have to? No, no, that's never happened to me once, right? Same thing. Yeah, you turn to Tracy and you say, Tracy, will you take Tom to be your lawful wedded husband? Will you love him and do all those good stuff things for him? I'm yet to meet a bride who goes, oh, man, can we just skip this bit? I just want to get to the reception, right? I'm yet to. That's not how it works, because when someone has captured your heart, you don't have to. You want to, don't you? I mean, this is how it worked in my relationship with my wife before she was my wife. See, I used to have this car, and it was a H.D. Holden, beautiful, magnificent beast. JJK636, and I don't want to get on about it. <clears throat> And, and, and I remember driving that car to my workspace. Um, I used to work at El- Eltham Leisure Centre. And it just so happened, because there was this drug called romance that was injected into our system, that one day she came to that place and she stole my car without me knowing. She got the keys somehow and she drove it to a garage garage where she knew the mechanic who put in a seat belt in the middle, because I used to have JJK 636 H.C. Holden was actually a bench-seated car. So you could be really cool. You could drive along with your black leather jacket, have your hand on the steering wheel, put your arm just on the side, sit literally in the middle and be cool driving down the freeway, just like this. And it had this thing called rocker in the steering wheel. The guys will understand this. I think that you could do this and it still wouldn't move the wheels. People would go past astounded. And, and, and she was over there, and there was no middle seat belt, and there was a seat belt for me. And, and so, because we had this drug called romance going through our system, she took it and she put this seat in, she got it installed in the middle. And, and when I got in the car that day, not knowing anything about it, there was this little envelope there, and I opened up the envelope, and it said, Just like Karen Carpenter's song, Close to You, I thought I would get a close to you seat. How romantic is that! <laughs> So now I can cruise along the freeway with my babe. (laughs) My arm around like this on the steering, doing this with the steering wheel. And she wants to sit next to me, not because she has to, but because she wants to. Now, 25 years later, we're in a bigger car with the console in the middle. She sits over there and I sit here. But that's another story. (laughs) Romance has gone. It changes kind of little thing. You'll get it when you get a little bit old. Okay. You see, one of the biggest lies about Christianity out there, the biggest lies about God's stuff is that you have to. And when people have an encounter with Jesus, you get this, they want to. Because Jesus is the one that actually changes things. Jesus is the one that reaches into a family's life and actually says, I, I can't give you all the answers to why this has kind of happened, but I want you to know that I love you, that I'm with you. I'll actually intersperse people into your life to help you to move forward in life. Because God loves people. You see, Jesus had this capacity to look past the externals and look at the heart. And when he looked at people's hearts, his love was just the same, whether it's a tormented man or or whether it's a broken family or or, or whether it's someone who's frightened of the situations in front of them. Their mind might not be completely sound. God's love is just the same. Are you getting me here? And so when you actually come to follow Jesus, you don't have to. It's just that you want to because of what he's done in your life. So any of these four things that we've talked about, and there's a, there's a little sheet, there's a flyer on your thing that you can pick up and take with you. you. For someone who follows Jesus, the whole idea of immersing, sharing, resting, acting, you don't have to do these things. It's things that if you want to, if you're here this morning and you're going, Troy, my faith is dry. Troy, um, uh, it's kind of become a bit ho-hum. I'm finding that it has to, if you're here this morning and you're just kind of like, you know, Jesus has just become this very nice, placid kind of person that you can just accommodate in your life and you're asking, what should I do? Well, try one of these four. Why don't you dial up the praise in your life? That is, why don't you get up in the morning time and you're combing your hair? Why don't you just dare to say in the mirror, God, you're God and I'm not. And I just want to say that you're the boss of my life. Maybe turn up some of that music and have a sing, not on the American Top 40, but maybe some some music that sings about who Jesus is. Why don't you try that? Why don't you dial up the prayer and conversation so that God's not the last, that he actually might be the first conversation you have when you wake up in the morning. God, here I am reporting for duty. Jesus, what do you want me to do today? Maybe dial up your giving because if God's a generous God and you trust Him for everything in your life, then why don't you? You don't have to give to me. You don't have to give. To, just give. The whole idea of being generous because you're trusting that God will provide for you. So dial up the giving. Dial up being public about who Jesus is. Um, Jesus said, "If you confess Me before other people, I'll confess you before My Father." And it goes the other way as well. You might be sitting here this morning and saying, "Troy, you've just been telling me it's not about have to," and you're right. This is a test. Right now, to see if you want to, you see, because if you don't want to do any of these things, the first thing you need to encounter and engage with is a living Jesus who actually wants to be involved in your life. So He changes our hearts from have to to want to, because what happens along the way is that when Jesus infects you with God's love, you kind of your mind and your body they travel along and they travel in the right order and they start to do the things that God will want you to have to do in the first place. Is that making sense? Is that making sense to anyone this morning? It's not about have to. It's about want to. It's about deeply encountering Jesus. And so what happened? The church that said yes wasn't a church filled with people who just had to because people see through that. The church that impacted its city, shaped its world, served in its places that made a difference, weren't the ones that said no, that they said yes because they encounter the living God through his son Jesus. They get filled up with his spirit and they want to. And so this is what happened. The man went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis just how much Jesus had done for him. And the people were amazed. The people were amazed because there was a life that was changed. What do I say to Kylie? Keep sharing. Keep telling when it's the right place, the right space, the right time. Don't have to do it all the time. But there it is, an encounter with the living Jesus. So the question I want to ask you and leave you with this morning is, do you need a fresh encounter with Jesus? The one who causes people to sit at peace. The one who clothes you with God's love. The one who actually engages you so that you're in your right mind and right thinking to make good choices, godly choices in your life. Do you need to encounter him? The band's going to come in a moment and they're going to sing a song. And as they do, I want you to think for a moment, where do I stand Am I still on the track in the trail of have to or is there a want to? You see, God has this wonderful ability to come close to us. Sometimes we're at the end of our tethers. We meet God. But sometimes when people meet God at the end of their tethers, they're afraid. And so just like those herds people who'd lost their livelihood, pushed Jesus away, it seems as though God's obliging. He doesn't force himself, but even when people push him away, he doesn't stop loving or waiting. His unyielding love is always available. But this man ran up to Jesus, fell at his feet surrendered his life and it was all changed oh yeah I'm sure he would have needed reminding in the Decapolis as he's telling people waking up the next day and the next day and the next day he needs fresh encounters with Jesus but he just knelt at his feet surrendered his life and encountered him I want to ask you this morning, just as we're here on our birthday day, you've heard the story. You've heard how God's at work in people's lives. And I want to ask you, have you encountered Jesus afresh in your life? Because if you haven't, I want to pray for you in a moment. And all I want you to do is, metaphorically, if you like, fall at the feet of Jesus. So it moves it from being have to being want to because that's where the heart of sharing comes from god doesn't delight in religion (sighs) loves people who want to please him from the heart because they want to they want to they want to so right now here in this place if you know you need to encounter jesus for yourself Maybe you've never said yes to him. Maybe you've said to him, yes, long ago and it's dry. Maybe you want to refresh. That maybe just with a sense of eyes closed and just for you right now, that you might open up your hands just where you are. Just like a sign of saying, I'm bowing before you. And I'm here and I want to encounter you afresh. I'm going to pray for you. So if this is you, why don't you just quietly where you are, make a sign to God. Open up your hands. Go on. If you want a fresh encounter with Jesus, I'm going to pray for you. Just open up your hands. Just open up your hands between you and God. And I'm going to pray. might encounter him afresh so it might move from have to to want to jesus for each person now that is just signaling to you with their hands with their heart with their mind that they're bowing before you and they're saying i surrender i ask right now across this room across this this group in our lives, that you would pour out your spirit, that you might engage with us, that we might know you, might encounter afresh your love and your power and your grace and your mercy, that you would breathe fresh life into our hearts and our minds. Maybe those for the first time who've just opened their hands, said, I don't quite get it, don't quite understand, but fill me, Jesus. I want to know you like that man you knew you. Would you pour out your life now in your name? that We might encounter you and experience you afresh here in this place, today. I ask Amen. These guys are going to play, they're going to sing a song. You can just stay seated. You might want to just pray, reflect. You want to join with them, do so. If you just want to take in the moment and allow God to continue to minister to you, please do.